0: And so now I would like to introduce and welcome and celebrate the vision and the visionariness, if that's a word, of our spiritual director, particularly this day as I feel very lightened uh, from a workshop I attended this past weekend with him, that he had the vision and the forethought to bring in a very special uh, guest speaker to work with some people on our leadership team at the center. And it was a very inspiring day. And so I would like to just extend my appreciation and thanks for all that this man does to keep moving me forward in life, as I know he will do for you today, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Did you get those headlights turned off? I did. Good. good morning. Somebody's awake. All right. And so I invite you to enter into a moment of silence with me. And it's a dynamic silence to listen, to invite our soul and to allow ourselves to listen. And so I celebrate that moment with you, that eternal moment that is outside of time and space. And in that knowing and in this choosing in this moment, one life, Spirit's life, God's life, perfect life, my life in this moment, my entire being, in thought, word, and action, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, is transformed. This is my knowing as I open myself to this experience as I step through that portal of awareness of the divine consciousness that we are all immersed in knowing this for myself and each person here and the people who come to mind as we are together today let's offer our unconditional blessing and love wherever they are offer and know that they have everything they need let us be the brilliant thinker that calls forth, reveals and holds for one another the highest possibility of life that each person who is suffering in this moment is guided in the right and perfect way, in the right and perfect process, to the right and perfect people, situations, information, and opportunities that allow them to continue to move into a life that thrives, a life that is vibrant, a life that is meaningful, powerful, enjoyable, and fun a life grounded in love, service, and giving. For this I give thanks and so much more knowing that you and I have everything we need in this moment and each moment hereafter to move forward in all that has been declared and expressed knowing this is my faith and this is where I pour my, my knowing and my love and my passion. And for this I give thanks and I invite you to say with me knowing it is already done in the mind of the one and so it is. Thank you. Thanks for standing with me and being with me in that prayer. Thank you, Stefan, once again. Let's give Stephen a hand. He's brand new this week. Thanks for being here. So I wanted to talk to you a bit today about uh, who you really aren't. And it's, it's we go, as Reverend Connie so beautifully expressed, we're going back to class. And one of the things I found, a wonderful quote from one of my favorite writers, and I wanted to share it with you. Because I think it really speaks so beautifully to what the possibilities are. It's from Jill Connor Brown, and Jill Connor Brown wrote The Sweet Potato Queen's Book of Love. And in it she said, Life is too short and too long to spend it being miserable. Life may indeed be short, but it is, for a fact, wide. It's high time we started settling for more. So I think it's an opportunity to start settling for more. What do you think? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, let's settle for more. So I want to talk to you a bit. I've got some, some, some stuff I wanted to share with you that I think is really uh, apropos for um, uh, this point in our, in our journey together. And we're a teaching community, and we offer classes. And one of the reasons we do that is because, I don't know about you, but I need as much practice in this spiritual stuff as I can get. And, and what we have to have in our what I have to have, let me make this really personal, what I need in my life, because my egoic nature is so strong, That I can spend all day long judging another, and 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 um, grasping and finding justification for my my opinion, so I'm right and you're wrong. Now I don't know if that's if that lands with anybody else, but but that's been my experience at times. And so what has helped me move out of that and move into a different experience of life is having spiritual practice. Yesterday, uh, Reverend Connie talked about it. We brought uh, Reverend Doctor Kathy Hearn, who is the spiritual community leader of the United Centers for Spiritual Living, soon to be just our main group, where where we reintegrated. And Kathy's an amazing consciousness. And she's been doing this work for 10 years. And we brought together a team of our leaders, some of our ministers, some of our practitioners, uh, most of our board of of trustees. And we did a a process called co-creation, where we got in the room and we wanted to see what was alive, what wants to happen here. But in order to find out what wanted, wants to happen, the first two-thirds of our, our eight hours or nine hours we spent together was really clearing our consciousness, was taking us out of this idea that I'm right and you're wrong and finding ways to put it down. And it's a very wonderful process because it's very systematic and it's very sequential, and there's, a, there's an order to it. And so we all engaged in that. And one of the great blessings that I didn't emphasize too much at the first service was on the way to the airport with Kathy yesterday afternoon, she was heading to Seattle to celebrate the Seattle Center for Spiritual Living's 90th anniversary. I would have loved to have gone to that, but it's just one amazing, amazing church there with uh, Dr. Kathy Ann Lewis. But she said that a lot of times you go to communities, and they, they can't even do the process, because there's so much discord. So, and, 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 and so I didn't even think of that, because we all stepped in and we were all made ourselves available, and we went and we created this wonderful, wonderful uh, template of what we want to stand for. Because it's important for all of us to remind ourselves and to revisit that frequently. What do I stand for? And why are we coming together? And why do we have this community? I'm going to share that prayer with you. We came up with a sacred covenant. And it's a beautiful prayer. It's in the form of an affirmative prayer. But it's alive and it's vibrant. And it came from the group. I told the group, I said, I didn't bring Kathy in because I have an agenda that I want to see get done. I want to know what wants to happen here. Because I'm as interested as you guys. Because this isn't my church. This is God's church. And I think that that's possible in any spiritual community, but you have to get out of the way. Because it's real easy for me to say, it should be this, should be this, it should be, should, should be this. There has to be some decisions made along the way to keep us on course. But when you bring that vibrancy to the experience, and so we're, we're going into our, our classwork, and I think it's really timely that we did this work as we go into a new curriculum year, because it sets, it sets the foundation of where we want to go. And the reason that classes as I said earlier, my egoic nature, and I think that for many of us, is so strong. And in the, in the work we did yesterday, there are four quadrants of spiritual activity. One is when we, we start to wake up. The second one is when we start to realize, you know what, thought is creative. I can manifest. And that used to be where centers and communities like our community stopped. You know, uh, uh, that we would, we would do our affirmative prayer, we would do our prayer treatment for Things. And, and that's all part of the journey, and it's all really important. But there's a level beyond it. There's actually two levels beyond it. And what we want to do as a community, what I, I feel passionate about is to give birth to standing in that quadrant more consistently, which is that, 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 that uh, cumulative consciousness of we're, we're doing this together, and we're doing it not out of manipulation, we're doing it out of service. See, I said at the beginning that most of, our, most of our, my life is devoted to love, service, and giving. Now service for many people if you don't get this but service many times people call work but there's a subtle shift there because when you shift work to service it takes on a whole different complexion Jim Rohn said that most people make $5 an hour because they provide $5 of service in an hour There are people on the planet that make 5 and 10 and 20 and $30,000 an hour because they provide 5 and 10 and 20 and $30,000 worth of value in an hour and so, and, and, and so that's that. Once again, that's looking at that second level of of spiritual development. It's no longer am I a victim? I'm I'm being proactive in my life and making decisions, and I'm directing it and making choices. But that's just part of the journey because then we move into this idea, of love, service, and giving. And that's really where the juice is. That's really where it's wonderful. But we got to be able to handle this stuff. If we can't get to the center because we can't, we have no transportation and we don't have money to get on the bus, we need to deal with that. Because that's just unacceptable. But it's, a time, it's time for all of us to start settling for more. And so, <clears throat> I have a favorite author by the name of Larry Wingett. Larry's written a number of books. He's called The, the Pitbull of Personal Development. And this one today is this, Shut up, stop whining, and get a life. <laughs> a kick-butt approach to a better life. And here I am, and in fact, the first quote I read to you out of this book was, uh, was from it. On page... 30. I'm paging through this yesterday or the day before, and I open it up, and here's a guy by the name of Ernest Holmes that he quotes. In fact, if you read Larry's books, he said, if you want to really immerse yourself in spiritual practice and you're not too concerned anymore about religion and protecting that, go to a religious science church. And Larry quotes Ernest Holmes. Ernest says, daily we must train our thoughts to see only what we wish to experience, and since we are growing into what we are mentally dwelling on, we should put all small and insignificant thoughts and ideals out of our thinking and see things in a larger way. It is the quality of our thinking. It's so easy. Jesus said it. It is done unto you as you believe. And, and I've seen people come to class and say, change your thinking, change your life. And then they come back a week later and say, nothing's changed. And I say, well, did you keep, when you changed your thinking, did you keep it changed? Hmm, let me think about that. But that's the challenge for us, because we are tripwired to go back to those things, and we talked about it yesterday. It's just powerful. We did some powerful work together as a group. I mean, I'm just, I got, I got going in the first service. I was supposed to give the students their certificates. I said, as soon as I get up there, I'll get, we'll get the students up. And then at the end of my talk, they're going, hey, we've got to give the certificate. I'm going, oh, my gosh. Because part of me, when I left here yesterday, I wasn't back into that, that linear level of thinking, because there had been so much shifting and changing going on. And that's wonderful. I was so surprised. I was so surprised what came up for me as a core issue. Things happen to us as kids. Well, this is what we did yesterday. We got together as a group and we talked about one of the core issues that, that really gives us uh, the, the roadmap of how we operate in the world. Everybody's had experiences. And then all of a sudden, so my experience as a kid, for what I, what I would fall into was chaos. And then when I would fall into the chaos, the emotional response would be anger. And so then when I had the anger, the chaos led to the anger, and then I'm, I'm lost. And so we, we went back, we did a variety of spiritual practices to identify, and each person's thing was different, and we all shared, and we looked at the commonality of, of the, the, uh, um, the situation. And then we used practice to release it. So it was really powerful and wonderful. And we're going to do more of the co-creation as we go along. We're going to plan more of it, because it's really powerful stuff. I mean, I just, I can't begin to tell you, So my, the prayer has a physicality to it the prayer starts out like this I'll show it to you, you... because you know, I'm not embarrassed by this but you know I release my belief in chaos I release my need to be angry and I'm so grateful for the wisdom that God is in my life it's a prayer and I get to do that 70 times a day until it shifts and moves for me so I got up this morning I told Laura I got up at 4.30 I did the prayer she got up I come back in the room and she's standing over in the corner and she's going like this she's got her prayer but everybody's got the prayer. And so we use the prayer to help clean the, clear the consciousness so we're not standing around going, I'm right and you're wrong. No, nah, nah, nah. no, it shifts us energetically. So we move into this space where it's like, what wants to happen here? And how can I serve that? And it's, it's just powerful and wonderful. So we're going into classes. And see, classes are all about this. It's about, it's about pulling back the layers. It's about looking at our lives and understanding that those things that happen for all of us, those things that we bring with us as kids... That's the great stuff that allows us to move into this space. That's the stuff that propels us. Larry Wingate talks about it in this book, he, he went bankrupt. He was a successful entrepreneur. He was working for Southern, Southern Bell, the phone company, and then they, they um, deregulated. So he lost his job. They gave him a buyout, and he was in Oklahoma City. And he said, so he went back to, or he was in Arizona, he went back to Oklahoma City when he was bought out, and he opened up his own business of, of installing phone systems. And he did that, and he said it was wonderful, and it was a big business, it was successful, and they loved it. And then he said everything fell apart. He hired the wrong people. They signed the wrong contacts. He kept making mistake after mistake after mistake. And finally, he filed for bankruptcy. He said it was the best thing that ever happened to him in his life. Best thing that ever happened to him in his life. Where is it? I didn't share this with the first group, because I was off on another roll. He said... Let me quote Larry. He said, The circumstances that led to where the direct result of my actions. I take total responsibility. And while it was a horrible thing for me financially, it is still the single best thing that ever happened to me. I learned more as a result of that experience than I did in all my years of education and all my years of working in the corporate world. I learned lessons that have become the foundation of my speaking career. I learned it is not what happens to you that matters. It is not what happens to you that matters. What matters is, it is what you, do about, what you do about it that really matters. See, we have to understand, we have to have the discernment to realize, what is our circle of influence, what is our circle of concern? And then we don't control the weather. If we did, we would not have seven months of winter here in, in Alberta. <laughs> but it is our response to it. We don't, we don't control, but we, do con- we don't control. There's things we don't control. And at some deep, deep level, I think we're all connected and there's this, this, this whole thing that goes on that I don't understand. But what I can control is my response to it. And so because if we collapse into the experiences of life, then we, go, we collapse right into victim. And then we go right back to when, when I... And when I go into victim, I just shared it with you. I, I go into chaos, I go into anger, and I don't want to do that. So if we don't have practices in our life, we don't have mindfulness in our life. So if we haven't been exposed to some new ideas... So the reason I'm sharing this with you is that when you step into classes... And I was surprised yesterday, the things that came up for me. Because I thought, man, I thought I dealt with this a long time ago, but it was still alive. Okay, I'll work with that today. experience I had when I was four years old. Oh, wow. Because I've told the story many times, but telling the story, I never dealt with it at that energetic level. Now, isn't it interesting how we tell? There's the egoic self saying, oh, I got that handle. That's no big deal. And I realize, wow, I still carry that with me. Larry says, I hate being broke. I hated having my car repossessed. I hated selling my stuff every weekend in a garage sale in order to have enough money to to make my house payments and make my child support payments and and be able to eat. I was like the guy who sold everything he had except his bicycle and it did not have a seat or any handlebars. He had lost his ass and didn't know which way to turn. (laughs) It was the beginning of my journey, a journey that forced me to act immediately to change my financial situation. I did not have time to wait for things to get better. I had to make them better right then. I also had to change the entire direction of my life if I were ever going to make, be truly financially secure. I had to study. I had to get my habit. I had to, get, I had to change my habits. I had to try and get an it right in all areas of my life in order to get myself, my income right. See, if we're struggling in any area of our life, whatever the healing needs to be, and we talked about it yesterday, when healing, healing is healing. Shifting is shifting. When you shift one thing, everything shifts. We're not compartmentalized. So there's a wonderful poem in uh, Parker Palmer's work that I think is just such a beautiful illustration of this, how, uh, why it's important in the journey, and, 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 and poetry is such a powerful, powerful thing, because it's a language that speaks universally to all, and it's not specific. Each one of us can interpret it in our own way. It's called The Woodcarver, and it's from the Tao tradition. Tao is spelled T-A-O. It's called the woodcarver. Uh, King, the master carver, made a bell stand. Now, a bell stand, someone asked me after service, a bell stand is, he carved this out of wood, and it had, my understanding, I don't have a picture of it here, is a bell stand holds the bell from the side so that you can ring the bell. There's a, an apparatus, so it comes up like a yoke, and that's it's open, and you can ring the bell. So King, the master carver, made a bell stand, of precious wood. When it was finished, all who saw it were astounded. They said it must be the work of spirits. The prince of Lu said it, was the ma- it said to the master carver, what is your secret? So he's done this work of art, and it is so beautiful, it's breathtaking. And they want to know his secret. So right away, there's projection going on. It's such a beautiful illustration of how the, the, everyone that saw this bell had made up a story about it. There's got to be a secret to this. And so the wood carver says, I am only a workman. I have no secret. I'm only a workman. I have no secret. There's only this. When I begin to think about the work you commanded, I guarded my spirit. When I think about the work that you commanded me to do, I guarded my spirit. I did not expend it on trifles. The quote that I just shared with you about Ernest Holmes, that's what he's talking about. That which we dwell upon, we become. And so part of the beauty of this woodcarver's experience and what he brings to it, the expertise he brings to it, is an awareness that in order for me to, to bring to this what I think can be the most lovely thing, I've got to get out of the way. I've got to put my opinions down, and I've got to listen to the opinions of others and say, there's no secret. I'm a woodcarver. This is all I am. So he had the awareness. His, his 10,000 hours of, of, or more of coming to this is involved with that. More so than chiseling away the wood. He said, I began to think about the work you commanded. I don't want to talk about commanded. We are all commanded. We've all given ourselves commands. If anyone here has raised a child, when I remember becoming a father for the first time, I felt the burden and the responsibility of of fatherhood. How do you do this? I need a book. And what, what the shift was and why it struck me when I read this and as Parker Palmer describes it, it it's Parker Palmer's A Hidden Wholeness if you're looking for the book but Parker talks about shifting the choice we are always a choice shifting the choice from a command to a choice so he said when you, I began to think about the work you commanded I guarded my spirit did not expend it on trifles that were not to the point and, and what he did instead is I fasted In order to set my heart at rest, I fasted to to set my heart at rest. So he quieted down. He listened. All is well. This moment is eternal. This moment is eternal. Eternal is a moment outside of time and space. My heart at rest. After three days fasting, I had forgotten gains and success. After five days I had forgotten praise or criticism. After seven days I had forgotten my body with all its limbs. What he's doing, what the wood Carver is describing is spiritual practice. Because we have so many distractions. And in this chapter, he uses this, Parker Palmer uses this as the core of one of his retreat weekends. And people make up, their, and people make up stories around this woodcarver. Some say, I couldn't do that. This guy's just a woodcarver. i got a family to feed. i got work to do. It doesn't say he didn't have a family to feed. It doesn't say he didn't have other jobs. That's it, the stories people make up. See, the, the challenge for us is we're all busy people. We're bright. We've got op- opportunities and obligations and things we've committed to. Things that we feel commanded at times. We can still do this work. He's talking about fasting. And we can interpret it as a literal fast, but what are the thoughts? What are the ideas that require fasting so that you can clear the consciousness of space? We did that yesterday when we did it together. We fasted. We said, you know what, we're gonna Holmes said that eventually your conversation, Dr. Holmes said eventually your conversation will be in heaven. And so we did that. We put that down. And we and we let and we let the soul speak. Because our soul knows. Dr. Holmes used to say, I don't know, but something within me does know. He was talking about that relationship, that conversation. The wood, <coughs> the wood carver continues. Well, he said at the end of this phrase, I had forgotten my body with all its limbs. See, he knew. His, he knew his body knew what to do. He's a master carver. He didn't think about the angle of the chisel. He knows. Being a woodworker, I know. When I pick up a tool to work with it, I've worked with tools my entire life. I don't have to go through the, the, the process and that, and that, that learning curve. Because I know. By this time all thought for your highness, now the woodcarver's talking to the prince who commanded him. By this time all thought of your highness and of the court had faded away. All that might distract me from my work had vanished. I had collected in the single thought of the I was collected in the single thought of the bell stand. So he continued to do the work to clear his consciousness so he could be fully present with what he was asked to do. So, and the king could have said, look, you don't do this or you mess it up, we'll get rid of you. We'll exile you, we'll shame you, we'll we'll, we'll execute you, whatever it may be. But he knew that that wasn't going to get him to the destination. And then I went to the forest to see the trees in their own natural state. And when the right tree appeared before me, the bell stand also appeared in it clearly beyond doubt. All I had to do was put forth my hand and begin. If I had not met this particular tree, there would have been no bell stand at all. I just love that. See, I think when we do this work, when we when we when we slow down, Kathy said it yesterday in work, and we slow down, we go slower to go faster. I love that. I like economy of effort. I think that when we slow down and we know that we are in co-creation with a, a something larger than us then the person that we need to meet shows up. And the idea that needs to propel us forward shows up. And the opportunity, larry the bankruptcy that refocused him and allowed him to bring his gifts to the world in a way that he speaks to people that probably I wouldn't speak to. Because he's teaching the same things we're teaching, he's just doing it from a very, very uh, different energetic I've seen him. You can you can Google him on uh, YouTube. And he's an incredible speaker. He's he's sharing the same principles. He's just not calling it a spiritual principle. He's just calling it life practices. If I had not met this particular tree, there would not have been there, there wouldn't would have been no bell stand at all. What happened? My collected my my own collected thought encountered the hidden potential in the wood. From this live encounter came to work, which you, as, you ascribe to the Spirit. So he describes his path, his method. And when we do our spiritual practice, when we slow down, what are you reading daily? What am I reading daily? I mean, I'm, I feel so blessed to have this practice in my life now that I got yesterday. Every time I start to feel like I'm getting confused and I'm getting upset... I release my belief in chaos. I release my need to be angry, and I'm grateful God is the wisdom in my life. It took nine hours for me to get there, to, to share this, this prayer. And then, collectively, we did a prayer for the community, which I'm gonna, we're going to share and ask each one of you, as time goes by, to use it in your daily practice. And Kathy explained how important it is to the physicality of prayer. To get us out of that, it's that that kinetic connection with prayer. And I'm a kinetic guy, that's why I was such a good carpenter. I love the physicality of putting things together and creating. That's how I learned better. Multiplication, if they'd just given me some things to multiply in my hands, I would have got it right away. But it was all on a page, and I was like, hmm, what does that mean? Four times four is 17. (laughs) But the point being is that we need practice in our lives. I need practice in my life. So I need to do continual practice. Kathy Hearn said yesterday, I've been doing this for 10 years. I'm still doing it. Because when I get done with one piece, there's another piece that comes up for me. And I want to, I you know, when we talk about providing skills and tools for people to go out and live their best life, this is what we're talking about. It starts there. At the early service, we graduated 30 people with Certificates. Kathy said to me that a lot of times, as I said, when you go to a community, they can't even do the process because there's so much much of the second stage of of spiritual awakening going on, I'm right and you're wrong, that they can't even get to the third. We went through that portal into the third yesterday as a group. And then that's a vibrancy. And she said, you watch and see what happens within your community in six months. People commit to this practice. See, we all benefit. Those wonderful people that gave their whole weekend to do this as a gift to themselves... It is a gift to us and that's powerful this is the stuff we should be doing when we did the the service in the park last week I said what energy are we going to bring to the world yeah it's sad and it's sorrowful and I have compassion for everyone involved but I can't collapse into my sorrow what this is is a call to me to say I know that the right things are emerging despite what it looks like I will not collapse into the depression and sadness and sorrow of this I will mourn with them and I'll have compassion but I know that something has given birth here it was a wake-up call for everyone. Kathy called it yesterday. Kathy Hearn called it yesterday. When those planes flew into the building, everything the U.S. celebrated as their identity, the two tallest towers that represent the financial health of that country, collapsed. And so it's an opportunity for that collective consciousness now to move into that third, third phase of spiritual development which is expansive it's in the mystery it's in the it's in the collaboration it's in inviting the new ideas what wants to happen here it's realizing that it's not about more and more and more money you got to as i said earlier, you got to have the you got to have the resources in your life so you can live a full life but anything beyond what you need to do that is just it's just a boondoggle i wanted to read you the third the third stage because it's it's just powerful and it's wonderful so bear with me a moment here it's the kingdom of co-creation. It's the transpersonal consciousness through, where through everything is done through us. Jesus said, It is not I, but it is the Father within that doeth the work. When he was in that state of consciousness, that is when he said that. Like, number one kingdom is slow creation. It's the waking up. It's the victim consciousness. Number two is solo creation. It's the second stage of the evolutionary journey of master spirit begins to take dominion over experience of life. We start directing our lives and making choices. We go from command to choice. Number three is co-creation. The release of the highest self-expression without the burden of inner fears creating a sense of separation. So we're in that moment. We're in that perfect moment. And then there's the fourth stage. Our movement used to stop at number two. Reverend Ike, New York City, would go listen to Raymond Charles Barker do a talk at Lincoln Center, and Reverend Ike would go back to Harlem, and put it into his own language, and he would preach the the abundance gospel. And Reverend Ike could talk about demonstrating Cadillacs, homes, mates—nothing wrong with that. That's the evolution of the consciousness. But it's it's like having a it's like having a great tool. It's like having a chainsaw but using it manually, you know. If you pull the cord, you can cut a lot more wood with it. So it's time to settle for something more. And I encourage you, if you're thinking about doing a class, it's a wonderful opportunity to step in, whether you've done them before or not. There's, there's such great value. And as you grow, we all grow. There's no, private, there's no private good. I want to end with this prayer that we came up with yesterday. I want to share this with you. And, and we will circulate this, and we will, it'll become part of our culture as we move along. But it's powerful stuff. So we, at the end of this, we came together with this prayer. Once we'd done, all done our personal work, which was some deep, deep healing. for You just feel the energy shift in that room. It's just powerful. I mean, this is a method that's tried and true and wonderful, and we want everyone to experience that that's interested in it. So this is the prayer that we came up with, and it's a covenant. We called it a covenant. There's only one life, and that life is good. And that life is God. And this life is my life now. In knowing that I am one with this life that is God, I therefore know that I am one with each and every one of its blessed expressions. Which includes this beloved revelation called Center for Spiritual Living Edmonton. And because I know that the highest purpose of this center is to glorify God, I therefore know that that this center is a revelation of God as love. As I stand alone in the altar, the high altar of consciousness, I see this center revealed before me as a vibrant spiritual community. I participate in this center in full cooperation and agreement with my beloved partners, knowing the truth about myself for, and these are the five covenants that we came up with, I am the living embodiment of our principles. I am honoring and respecting myself and others. I am communicating directly with authenticity and openness. I am nurturing and utilizing talents, skills, and abilities. I am engaging in joyful service. I know that this center is fully supported by the word of God, for it is written, Be the change you wish to see in the world. As I now accept the highest expression of this center into my life, I know that it will be revealed in a way that will glorify God and serve the highest and greatest good of all who are touched by its unfoldment. I am grateful God is gracious. So be it now. Amen. So be it now. Amen. And so it is. Blessings.